Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in. Our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their purpose. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Young businessmen, welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Yotaki, and I want to welcome you to podcast number 89. I am really excited today to share my guest with you. This is a guy that uh, I've kind of learned about a little bit along my journey in, in podcasting and actually through a, a mutual friend of mine, actually Tracy Trost, who was on podcast 15, so a long while ago. Uh, Tracy's one of the reasons that I'm in podcasting was, and it's because that he got started in podcasting and I just didn't understand. I didn't understand what he was doing. And it was a couple years way before I even followed along with podcasts or whatever else. And uh, he started this podcast with this guy named Cliff Ravenscraft. And uh, I was talking to him and I, I knew he was like really making time for it and was really passionate about it. And so fast forward a little while longer, I actually started listening to uh, the successful life mindset that he did with Cliff a while back. And I really started to understand why he was so excited about it. And uh, and I got to know Cliff a little bit too, just through hearing him talk and hearing him share his story. Uh, and the cool thing was, I think it started more along the lines of just reviewing movies. And then it, it actually evolved into more along the lines of just sharing life together, life experiences, what was on their mind, what what they were learning. And what you don't know about Cliff is if, if you're hearing his name for the first time is Cliff is one of the guys that has really launched a lot of people into podcasting uh, and has really taken the podcasting medium, in my opinion, and has really grown it uh, and shown people that you can actually go beyond um, just having a podcast to actually monetizing it and creating an audience and having influence. So uh, Cliff gave me a little bit of an interest. I want to read it to you guys just so you have a better understanding of who Cliff is. Uh, he's a business and life coach. He mentors coaches, consultants, and thought leaders through the transition of their unfulfilling day job to their own response so that they can live the life of their dreams and do the work they feel most called to do in this world. Now that right there is a pretty exciting statement. Um, and I know that Cliff is really excited uh, about the things that he do, uh, about the things that he does. So Cliff, welcome to the podcast. Say hello to the audience uh, and fill in the gaps. Tell them uh, the audience a little bit more about yourself. Well, Evan, um, well, first of all, thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. And as far as more about myself, uh, you know, I think that pretty much covers it. Just real briefly, I started out uh, at podcasting as a hobby back in December 2005. Uh, was just doing this about a TV show called Lost. I podcasted with my wife. Turns out that every week this show gave us an opportunity to have some amazing conversations about real life issues that were kind of being touched on in these fictional characters on the TV show. As a result of us just talking about what, how we related and resonated with the storyline, uh, we realized that just us talking about our lives, our, our feelings, our experiences, that it was having a radical and profound impact on the people people's lives around the world. People began to emailing us uh, to email us and say, "Hey, as a result of something you said in your podcast, 
it's had this impact in my life. And there were some people who, you know, it's just like, as a result of this, you know, I, I just find that I'm a happier person. I'm thinking more positively. There are people who have said, I was separated from my wife and I left her with the kids. And as a result of just hearing you, it, it got me to thinking about what am I doing with my life? And I've gone back and recon reconciled with my wife and I'm back in my kids' lives again. Uh, and I've actually had three people in the past 12 years who have written to tell me that they made the decision not to commit suicide as a result of listening to the content that we've published online. So over the course of the first two years of doing this as a hobby, I began to ask myself the question, I wonder what life would be like if I could do this, whatever this was. I, I didn't even know what this was at the time. It wasn't, I wonder if I could just podcast for a living. It was, I wonder if I, I, what life would be like if I could do whatever is happening over here instead of what I spend, you know, 40 to 60 hours of a week of my life doing as an insurance agent. Not that that was a terrible job. In fact, I thought it was a great job. I thought it was a, a, a wonderful way to contribute in this world. And outside of my career as an insurance agent, I was also involved in uh, official what you would call ministry, you know, church work, if you will. And, and so with, with those, with my work as an insurance agent and, and, and the ministry stuff that I was doing, I felt like I had a pretty fulfilling life until I discovered what was happening as a result of us publishing this content. And it, it, over the course of two years, doing this as a hobby, but doing it increasingly. I mean, we got pretty insane. There's a point where we were doing seven to 15 podcast episodes a week. And the number of emails that were coming in were hundreds per week, and then eventually hundreds per day. And all of my fulfillment in life was coming from what I was doing in my free time. And I actually cut my day job back to 40 hours a week, which was the minimum that I was committed to. And I found myself doing the hobby 40 to 60 hours a week. And those numbers are not an exaggeration. And I, over time, I, I began to see the day job as a distraction from what I felt like was my true calling in life. And eventually, it got so much that, that I ended up leaving the day job. And since January 2008, I've been full-time self-employed doing well on the journey of discovering who I really am in this world who I was created to be. And I've been on this journey ever since. And it's been the most incredible journey of my life. That's a little bit more beyond the, the bio that you read. <laughs> well, I appreciate you sharing that. And, and I love how that we're talking about how you found fulfillment in your job until. And I think that until part of that story is something that I think even us as business leaders a little bit further on in our careers, uh, we may think that we're in that role. We may think that we're in a position where we're actually created to be until. And that until part is, I think, uh, that clue to us that we should always be looking around and be aware that there maybe is more for us out there than we recognize that we're capable of doing. Absolutely. I agree. One of the things that you talked about it kind of in your little bio and, and 
a lot to it. And uh, uh, one of the things I do want to uh, do is give the audience reference to where you give your complete story, because I think that that story really dives deep into everything that you've done. And, and you, you posted it a while back on the five by 15 podcast. And I'll put a link to that in the in the show notes. But you had talked about how you were really connecting and you, and you just talked about it. Now you're really connecting with all these different people just by telling your life story. And uh, with the ministry background, but then also with the uh, with the insurance side, you're you're always dealing with people, and this is just a really new opportunity for you to do that. So I believe that deep down inside, there was always this desire and this gift to work with people. But the cool thing about it is you've always been able to just share it with with people through ministry or helping people getting to know them and figuring out what their needs are and helping them in that capacity. Now you're able to do that podcasting. So can tell everybody a little bit about when you were going through that podcasting journey and you're doing that hobby and you're really finding who you were in this, in this world, in this medium, what was that like when you, when the light bulb really went off, when you're like, you know what, this is, this is that moment. Well, I can I can tell you the the moment that it happened was uh, so a little bit more backstory is that I spent I've spent 12 years as an insurance agent uh, prior to leaving that career behind and it was a family run insurance agency. I also spent 12 years as a, a minister within the church. So I was actually an ordained minister and and was pastoring associate pastoring and I I can tell you the exact moment where the light bulb went off for me. I had received an email from somebody who basically said, Cliff, I've been listening to your podcast and I have this strange feeling that you and your wife might be Christians. And I hope that's not offensive to you, but I was wondering, could you answer, you know, am I correct? And I wrote back and said, yes. And then this person then hit reply and wrote an email to me that would, if I would have printed it out, it would have been three to five pages, just poured out his life. And in all of my years of official church work, uh, I had never encountered anyone who was that real, that raw, that authentic about who they were, what they were experiencing, what beliefs they had, what doubts they had, and, and just how they were wrestling with this idea of faith in God. And then to say that as a result of listening to you, I just have this insane amount of respect uh, and, and trust that if I were to ask you these questions, you would actually tell me the truth. And I've never felt that way about anyone who had faith in Jesus before. And so you talk about it's like, wow, <laughs> this yeah. is, I've, and, and the stuff this person shared. And then, of course, I, I probably spent a good eight to 10 hours crafting an email response back to that person. And, and that's when it hit me. It's like, okay, this, this is where I know, uh, I'm supposed, this is, I know this is a part of what God is calling me to. There's another interesting, uh, story in that, uh, and I don't want to go too much into detail. So I'm just going to give you just the highlights of this one, but in my quote unquote church work, I was asked to, to go through a process so that I could become a part of the elder within this new church that I was a part of. And, and through the process that you had to become a deacon first in this denomination. And I'm like, listen, that's just not what I feel called to do, guys. There's so many commitments and, 
and and so many meetings that you had to be a part of. Plus, it was a big mega church. They had three services on the weekends and you had no four services and you had to attend every single one of them if you were a deacon. And I'm like, I can't make that commitment, guys. I've got all this other stuff. And they say, oh, yeah, by the way, we wanted to talk to you about your commitments. Uh, It seems to me like you're 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 kind of really going off the deep end on this podcasting stuff. And they Mm -hmm. began to demonize this podcasting stuff that that it was a total distraction and they they it's again it's a very long story but they basically asked me to pray about my priorities whether or not i'm actually uh, losing sight of what god's called me to do because in their opinion and and in all fairness to them you know when i when i joined their team their ministry team i told them i felt god's calling in my life was to pursue becoming a head pastor of my own church one day so in all fairness to them, that's that's what it. And so their question is, this podcasting thing seems to be a distraction from that path. And as a result of that, I, I felt like, oh, my gosh, maybe they're right. And so I decided to stop podcasting for a week. And I had never, as far as I know, I had never experienced depression in my life before um, until that week. And that week I had, I mean, any, anybody you've ever talked to that's talked about, I mean, I did not have suicidal thoughts. That's just short of that. But the thing is, is I got up in the morning and it's like, okay, it's 830. I have to be at work at nine o'clock and I don't want to get out of bed. And so I literally roll out of bed at 850 and I throw some clothes on, brush my teeth, and and just rush out the door. Thankfully, I lived right down the road from my office. So, and I show up at work at like 9.05, you know, so it's close enough to nine o'clock that nobody's going to say anything. And physically, I was there at the day job. And mentally, emotionally, I just was not there. All Literally, the only thing I could think about all day during the eight hours that I spent there was how many hours, how many minutes are there left in this day before I can go home and go to bed? That's all I want. And that was every day for that entire week. And, and I had a lot of time of self-reflection and question. And, and I, the thing is, is, I felt guilty the entire week. I felt so much guilt and shame for how much I've allowed my arrogance and my narcissism and all this other stuff to this enticing, you know, this ability to have, you know, to, to, you know, this, I'm so focused on my own significance and what I'm able to achieve through podcasts is, is that is so wrong. And it's calling me off course from this true godly calling in my life. But by the end of the week, something happened. And what happened was I, I went in, I, I decided I was going to start podcasting again because life to me didn't seem worth living. And, and again, it wasn't podcasting. It, 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 it's not actually the technology of podcasting that I felt called to. It's the technology of, it, it's this idea of using my voice and creating content and publishing it to the world. And then all of the awesomeness that happens as a result of doing that action. And, uh, and I realized it's like, okay, I I went back to those guys and I said, listen, you guys have called into question my priorities and I am so thankful you did. So I've done a lot of soul searching and you're absolutely right. This podcasting stuff that I'm doing, it has caused me to lose sight of my, my true calling in life. And, and the reality is, is that, um, or, or at least this calling to pursue this pastoring thing. And, and, and it has, 
And I felt guilty about that for a couple of days and I stopped podcasting and I was going to come back and tell you guys that it was over and I'm fully committed here. But that sucked the life out of me. And that's not a life I can live. And so I got to tell you right now, I am podcasting it again. I started last night. Um, I will not ever stop again, uh, at, at least the, the creating content part of the side of things. I will never stop again and effective immediately. I see this as this work here and this idea of pursuing this deacon so that ultimately I could become the elder and, and work my way through the system and the political structure here. This is the distraction. Uh, I, I've evaluated. There is a new direction in my life, and this is where I'm going. And so, Evan, that for me was that was a that was a major turning point. Well, I appreciate you sharing that story, especially with the audience, because the people that are tuning in, that are listening to uh, these conversations, and the, and the and they're, they're they're searching for something. And I I would venture to say, we've all gone through, and, and maybe are currently going through that that battle of. Uh, I don't want to go to work. I don't feel like you know that I'm getting life from what I'm doing. I'm having the life sucked out of me in the job that I'm in. For you, it only lasted a week. I would venture to say for some people, maybe that's their daily their daily process, and that's where depression comes into play. That's where you know people start trying to subsidize the, the or try to numb that pain a little bit with with other things. And so that's a really dangerous place to be. But I think the important thing that we can take away from that story is that somebody who is in that situation uh, hopefully is recognizing that that's not necessarily what they were created to be. That's not what their true purpose or calling in life is. The good news for you is you were able to kind of get some samples of that and, and, and you were able to kind of see what the other side looked like. And so it made that decision a little bit easier for you. I would, I would say that there's probably some people out there that are in that situation where they're really struggling with everything that's going on in terms of not enjoying the work that they do or not feeling passionate about the job that they, they're doing. And so it, it does become that grind. And so I, I would really encourage the listeners to, to really start seeking out some of those things that uh, are those hobbies or are those potential distractions that are bringing them life, that are really uh, the things that are helping them maybe get through the rest of the week. Those are the things that they're looking forward to. Lean into those things because those things are essentially the things that potentially you you are a little bit more passionate about, and that's going to help guide you closer to your true purpose and calling in life. I agree. One of the things that uh, you also talked about in that that little story was some of the guilt that you felt uh, that you you were looking at the the job that you were in or the career path that you were going in, and you felt guilty maybe pursuing some of the things that that you really enjoyed doing. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Because I think that's a really intriguing uh, way to describe it. Because this is. You're balancing, am I being selfish for enjoying do this? And you talked a little bit about feeling a little bit narcissistic because, it, you know, the amount of people that you're reaching and, and the the audience that you're growing. So there's definitely like a little bit of ego that comes with that, not, not in a bad way, but just, you know, th that's built there. But then you also felt like guilty for really being who you were created to be. H how did you kind of balance that guilt and finally come to the point of saying, you know what, this, this is who I'm created to be and I need to, I need to embrace this more? Well, one thing I can tell you is the guilt came from a BS issue. And the BS issue, when I talk about BS issue, I'm talking about a belief system. So I, I grew up with uh, a lot of teachings. I, so my, we'll give you a little background of, of my faith journey. When I was a kid, my mom and dad 
were not the church going type of people. Uh, instead, though, they were totally cool with me going to church anytime I wanted to. So we lived in this neighborhood where we were surrounded like by tons of churches. And this, and in this neighborhood, every Sunday, a different church van would come by and pick up kids for quote unquote Sunday school. And during the summers, there was always vacation Bible school. So they had the, you know, it's free cookies and Kool-Aid, right? So, you know, they, that's, they get the kids in and, and, and stuff like that. So in my upbringing, while my mom and dad didn't quote unquote, take me to church, on the weekends and during the summers, I would spend all of my time on, uh, going to the Baptist Church, the Nazarene Church, the Assembly of God Church, the Pentecostal Church. The um, you, you, I, I could go on with just the number of churches that I've been. So I, I've I've gone where they're you know shouting and screaming and rolling on floors, and I've gone to the ones where it's all quiet and nobody says a word uh, and. During all of that, that, that's Cliff Ravenscraft on the weekends and during the summer outside of school. But get this, Evan, from second grade through seventh grade, I went to Catholic school and I was not Catholic. I was one of two children in the school who were not Catholic, but I had to go to mass every Friday and I was in religion class and religion class on a weekly basis in Catholic school was a lot different than Sunday school and what I was learning in Bible studies uh, outside. So you talk about just some messed up stuff. In fact, I remember, gosh, I, there, there's, is there purgatory or is there not purgatory? You know, I was, I, I was literally conditioned to believe and taught that if you actually sin and you die before you ask for forgiveness of that sin, you are actually separated by, from God. And, and so I remember saying to myself, I must always, always be asking for forgiveness. But the thing is, is the crazy thing is, is that as a non-Catholic, I wasn't allowed to go to the priest. And I was told in religion class, this is how you get absolved of your sins is going to the priest. <laughs> and he gives you penance. And and, but but at, of course, then I go on the weekends and they tell you, but I'm conditioned to think all these things. The, these are the things that I've been taught as a kid. And as a kid, you know, as a kid, we're taught to respect our elders. We're taught to, to listen to these wise, sage human beings who have gone through life, who understand and know more than what you do as a child. And so you adopt all of these beliefs. But man, I got these messed up competing beliefs you know, it'd be one thing if I actually just went to one religious institution from the time I was a kid all the way up until, you know, my young adulthood. And, and I listened to everything and was taught to believe exactly what that. But, man, I had it from everywhere. And I just saw how everybody knew that they were all right, but they all disagreed with each other. So somebody had to be wrong. But <laughs> the thing is, is I adopted all kinds of conditioned beliefs. And those beliefs caused me to, to anytime I, I didn't live up to somebody's belief. Now, Evan, with all of the different beliefs that I gave you, or all of the different faith backgrounds that I gave you, there's a lot of beliefs that I came up with, like a lot of things that I believed what you had to do to live a righteous life and what you had to avoid to live a righteous life. And so as you can imagine, and I'm a rule follower, you know, that I'm a guy, tell me the rules. I'm sorry. I used to be a rule follower. All right. <laughs> I tell me the rules and I will live in accordance to them. 
that's my life. That's who I am. And, and, and that's what I was taught. As long as you live according to the rules, you're, you're good to go. You're safe. You're, you've got certainty of your eternal destiny and blah, 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 blah. And so I let all of that, that worldview, that, that was my model of the world, if you will. And as a result of that, if I did not live up to all of those expectations from all the, all of the various beliefs that I got from the various different things, the ones that I did adopt to be quote unquote, this is what I believe to be true from each of these backgrounds, dude, I had, I got to tell you, I had to be perfect. And Mm -hmm. if I wasn't perfect, then I was guilty. And, and I felt the weight of that guilt. And, and I actually, there, there was a term that I had uh, heard once, and it's called the term, the prohibitive conscience. And Evan, the, have you ever heard of a prohibitive conscience before? I have not. Prohibitive conscience is where you live in fear of the fact that you might be in error. All right. You live in fear that you may have done something wrong, even unaware of it. So, for example, uh, have you ever had somebody say, Evan, I've got something that I need to talk to you about. Uh, and it's, it's very important and uh, it has to be addressed, but I don't have time right now. Is there any time within the next week that we can get together? Because I really ha- need to have a conversation with you. Have you ever had anybody ha- say that to you in your life? Yeah, there's, there's definitely been times of that. And what happens is your brain just goes into overdrive, analyzing your entire relationship uh, and anything that you potentially could have done wrong in the past exactly like your, your 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 skeletons in your closet are all of a sudden potentially exposed and you don't know which one it is exactly and and if you have a prohibitive conscience you're immediately guilty so so for for the average person they may actually talk about like what you're talking about you're you're going through what did i what could i have done blah 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 blah. And if, but for me it wasn't what could i have done what could this be about it's like oh my gosh what did i do and how bad did I screw up? And how, how, how much impact is, what, what do I, I, I was immediately guilty. So for me, it wasn't potential guilt. I was guilty of something. And now this person has, basically, I'm, I'm literally feeling agony and pain and suffering in my life every minute of every day until that scheduled meeting it's and so that i could actually figure out what it is that i'm guilty for so that i can figure out how i have to what i have to do to fix it that was my life and that was every person in every relationship that i had so if you want to talk about guilt evan that that's that's where a lot of my guilt came from now i gotta tell you i think it was september 2010 I was completely set free from all of that. Uh, it was quite a journey, but I was completely set free from that. And, and I will tell you that I am no longer a people pleaser. I no longer have a guilty conscience. Um, and, and the thing is, is, you know what? I make mistakes all the time. Um, I sin, if you will, if you, whatever you want to call sin, I, I sin unintentionally, probably frequently. I sometimes sin and do things that are wrong that I know I shouldn't do. I, I sometimes do those intentionally. I feel zero guilt. There's absolutely nothing on earth, above earth, below earth, future, present, past, nothing that can separate me from the grace and the love of Jesus 
And, and there's absolutely nothing on this planet that can keep me from living the life that God desires for me to live except for me. And I'm not willing to allow that to happen. So there's, I, I no longer live in fear of the thoughts and feelings and the, the, the judgment of other people. So Evan, you could actually, I could have somebody who I respect say, dude, I definitely got to talk to you. Uh, you know, it, it, I, I, there's something that's come up that I think that you need to, to address. I mean, they could even be more like even more forward with, it's like, there's something that I think that you need to address in your life. I don't have time to go into detail. They could go like really deep into it. And I'm like, okay. And then I could go on with my life and not, and it's like that meeting might be next Tuesday and it might be Tuesday today. So it might be a whole seven days. And Evan, I promise you, I could put the I could put the meeting on my calendar and not think of it again until 15 minutes before that call. It's like, oh, yeah, so-and-so needs to talk to me about something he thinks I need to change in my life. Wonder what this is. And I haven't thought about it once since then because I'm absolutely free and uncovered by grace every single day. I think that's wonderful. And I, if I'm reading between the lines here, we're, we're talking about two different things. Uh, when, when you're when you're analyzing guilt or, or you're, how you're allowing guilt to affect you. So the first one is you have this perception that was created by all these different outside influences that were telling you what, what you were supposed to do and not supposed to do, right? So you're in class, you're going to, to Catholic school, you're also going to Sunday school, you're doing all this other stuff, and this is being described to you, right? Yep. So you're a, you're a student at this point absorbing essentially other people's interpretation of, of, of God and your relationship with him. I would venture to say that the other side of that is when you have a real relationship. You have an actual direct relationship with God where you actually know him as opposed to having somebody tell you about how a relationship should be. That's exactly it. From the time I was a little kid, I remember the hellfire and brimstone preachers because I I went to the Southern Baptist churches and, and dude, I got some hellfire and brimstone when I was a kid. You know, it's, it, I, it's like if you do not come down to the altar and confess your sins here today and 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 get saved, you are damned to hell and will burn forever. And and it's not I mean, and it, it's going to be like this physical like, you know, lava is going to melt your skin. But the thing is, is your skin will never disappear because it will be this. It's like that's that's exactly who God was. He was going to damn you to hell and fire and fury unless you get up here and ask him to save you. And mm-hmm. I'm like, just tell me what I need to do. And, and it's like, well, this is what you do. And this is what you do. And, and that's exactly it. It's, I, I, it's like, I just want to do. I just want to do. I want to do. And, and so what I realized is that I had this relationship with a moral code of conduct. I, I had a relationship with information about God and I had a relationship with an institution and I thought those three things if I if I could just follow all these rules that's the thing and that was my bs that was my belief system mm-hmm. and dude I once I and I believe that from the time I was a kid I had a relationship with God but I it was clouded so much by all the other stuff I I would I would say more to the effect that God had a relationship with me I would say from the beginning but it wasn't until it wasn't until much later in life, unfortunately, uh, until I finally truly discovered the freedom that is actually in a true relationship with Jesus. And and so it, my life is completely different today. And and yeah, there, I, I don't experience guilt. 
I, I, that is an emotion that does not actually uh, impact my life at all these days. So I want to challenge that a little bit because I, sure. I believe that when, when you do have a true relationship, if you are in a relationship, um, there is some sort of guilt when you're not maybe actively involved in that relationship. Or because I have that relationship with you, I I'm, I don't want to do these things because I want to be uh, I want to be an active participant in the in the relationship and not necessarily do things in contrary to that relationship. So if God has certain things that that you know that if you do these things, like spend time with Him, read the Word, you know, help other people, love other people, those kinds of things. If you're doing things in contrary to that, then I would I would I would postulate to say at some point you're going to feel some level of guilt because you're not you're doing things in contrary to your relationship. Does that make sense? No, I disagree. Okay, go ahead. I'm ready. So, so <laughs> I, 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 I think, so for example, one of the, one of the, one of the things that you threw out there was, you know, you're not, you're not spending time with him. Well, first of all, I can't imagine a single millisecond of a day where I'm actually spending time without him because I believe he's everywhere and I believe he's with me at all times. So there's never a time I'm not with him. That that never exists for me. So so that's not a possibility. Now, one of the other things you threw out there is spending time reading and reading his word. Okay? Evan, what what, what did you say? It, I, I not that I am actually concerned about how you feel, but what would you say if I have not opened the Bible, either a physical one or an electronic one? Uh, into in the year 2018? I would say that your year looked like my year last year. <laughs> okay, but I, I have not. In fact, yeah. I'm, I, I do know for a fact I did a couple times in 2017. I was looking some stuff up. But in 2018, I have not cracked a Bible open. Do I feel any guilt for that? No. Why should I? So it, 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 see, the, the thing is, is, I don't believe that God requires me to open up the Bible. I mean, I could tell you Hebrews uh, 3, 9 through 12 is, see to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart, turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end the confidence that we had at first. I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. I, I could, I could recite Bible verses off the top of my head that doesn't make me in better relationship with God. So that I, I can't feel guilty about that one. Now, the thing is, is the interesting thing is, is that I, let, let's take God out of the equation for just a moment and talk about real, real relationship. So mm-hmm. one, that, the, one that I can easily tell you is relationship with my wife. Because that's that's a relationship that I that's easy for a lot of people to. So the thing is, is that now if I was to quote unquote cheat on my wife, you know, to, if I was to quote unquote cheat on my wife and have a, a physical relationship with another woman, uh, would I feel some sort of guilt about that? Yeah, I would. But you know what? I'm if I was actually in true relationship with my wife, I can't. It's impossible for me to go and have a physical relationship with an that if I am not in relationship with Stephanie, if I do that, there that my love and my affection and my commitment to my relationship with Stephanie Ravenscraft, it's not that I'm forbidding. I Evan, I could go have sex with any woman that would give herself to me. It's physically possible, but 
it is impossible for me because of the relationship I have with my wife. I can't do it. I can't bring myself to do it because I am loved by her so much and I am so in love with her that the thought of that, it, that is just not possible for me. See, the thing is, is that there are all sorts of things that I may do that my wife disapproves of. She, for example, um, I'll give you an example that like there, there are some things that my wife would rather I not do. Um, for example, she would like for me not to go out and spend money that, you know, more like if anything that's over a hundred bucks, she'd like to at least know, you know, that I'm, I'm buying something before I make that purchase. Right. That's something that she has expressed to me that that is a desire there. Are, that, that is a kind of a quote unquote, it, it's, it's even, um, it's even something that we've both committed to, right? So I've committed to her that I would not do this. And without thinking the other day, not intentionally going against our relationship, um, the other day I, I heard my friend, Father Roderick Van Hogan, a Catholic priest in the Netherlands, one of my favorite podcasters in the world. I, 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 he was reviewing this Oculus Go, this new piece of technology, and it was 250 bucks. And today, 250 bucks to me is not that big of a deal. And I'm just like... I, I went and I bought it instantly. And so later in the day, I said, oh, by the way, I just want to let you know I bought this Oculus Go. And she goes, how much was it? I said, 250 She goes, it would have been nice if you told me. Now, Evan, did I feel guilt in that moment? No, I didn't feel guilt. Did my wife condemn me? Did she Was my relationship broken for a period of time until I asked her forgiveness? No. We're in relationship with one another. Was she disappointed that I, I broke our quote-unquote agreement? Yeah. And was I actually disappointed that I did that? Yeah. I said, like, you know what? I am sorry. You're right. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? And I, we went on with life. This is my relationship with God. I have no guilt. There, by the way, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. There's a Bible verse somebody might want to look up. <laughs> there, therefore, is there, there is now no condemnation for those who are in relationship with Christ. None. I am blameless, pure, and holy in the sight of God. Well, I think there, yeah, so there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> and I, and I, I see where you're coming from. I totally see where you're coming from. I, I would say this, and, and I think you're in a, uni a unique situation where you have studied and you've spent a lot of time reading the Bible. So a lot of it is, is part of in you. And, and one of the things that was like really opening to me that opened my eyes was when you read the Bible, you can, you, you choose to read for relationship first. And so you can, you well, see, you, hold on. When you, Evan, read when I, the Bible, yes. you read for, I can tell you right now, in prior to 2010, that was never how I went to the Bible. I went to the Bible to learn the rules. Mm. I learned, I went to the Bible to learn how to avoid the fury and the, the, the what is it? The wrath of God. That's how I went to the Bible. Yeah. And I was taught, by the way, if you don't go to the Bible every day and spend at least, you know, significant amounts of your life doing it, that that also would therefore bring the wrath and fiery fury of God as well, which I, I have a question for you. What about the 
the few hundred years or the hundred or so years before the actual thing was available to everybody. What about all of those people? So, yeah, so we're now we're getting real deep. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, so, you didn't tell me there were limits to how deep we could go. Yeah, no, we can definitely go deep. So I think I so I think part of this. Uh, so let's let's go back to the, the first thing. So one of the things that really opened my eyes was reading for relationship. And I think that 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 really helps give you a better idea of the character of God. And it helps you develop that relationship with God. You, you see that he's a creator and we are created beings and how our relationship works out. And you really see when he's talking about God is love and, and the things that God does to express his love to us, when you read it in that capacity, then yes, there, I think that's where you can, you can build that relationship with God if you don't have it. And if you don't know the true nature and character of God, uh, for you, it's a little bit different because you've, you've actually, like you said, hid that word in your heart and it's there and it flows out of you because of the time that you spend in there. So for you, you don't feel that guilt for not necessarily building as much of a relationship by reading the word. You express that through different, different venues. So, uh, so when you're expressing it that way, then yeah, that makes, that makes total sense. And I, I can see where you don't have guilt. I would say this though, with the analogy with your wife, where you 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 said you made a mistake, you purchased something that was maybe a little bit more expensive than than you know that she wanted to be involved in that that conversation. So and you knew that right, and you made a mistake. I, I would say that the guilt would maybe come into the, to play a little bit more if that became a repeated pattern where you were started intentionally doing that, and that starts to erode but, that relationship. And, and I would and I would argue that if I competed, if I consistently did that, it's because I'm not in true relationship with right. her. If I, if I knew that was going to hurt her if 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 i was intentionally doing that and i believe see the thing is is so much of what we we're conditioned to believe is that 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 things are really hurting god like we're i i had i used to believe that not reading the bible consistently was offending god it was, mm -hmm. it was like God was hurt that I was avoiding him, that I wasn't prioritizing him in my life. Um, that I used to have that belief. I don't have that belief anymore. And, and, and so, so much of, of this is, is what we believe. And, and I, I will tell you, I've, I've gone through and, and I've, I have reevaluated a lot of the things that I believe. And, and the one thing I believe is that God is the one who initi initiates the relationship with me. Mm -hmm. And he's the one who is leading me and guiding me. And he's the one who is prompting me to and drawing me deeper into the conversation or into, into deeper into the relationship. And I am eager to pursue it because I'm in love. Mm -hmm. and, and that love draws me in. It's, it's never, I, I, I don't believe that I will ever draw closer to God in relationship if I'm doing it to avoid his wrath or his his suffering. I don't think I'm ever going to have a deeper relationship with my wife if I'm doing it so that I can avoid her being disappointed or angry with me. It's it the relationship is deepened by pursuing things that we're drawn to because we love that person or because we love God. And and the other thing is is I you 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 indicate that you know one of the reasons why I might be able to have this this love and this relationship with God is because I had spent so many years, and I I do I have I have met, I have over a decade of of memorizing scriptures, um, and but I can tell you right now, Evan, I believe a lot of that actually is more was more detrimental to my relationship with God 
then it helped. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I, it's very rare that you go to the Bible without actually going there with some predetermined ideas of the, of how it's being presented, especially if you're reading through study Bibles from different different perspectives, because all this context, and it goes along with all the things you hear over here and what you've experienced over there and what people are telling you. And then all of a sudden, it's, you, you always come to the scripture with this filter. My, my question is, I, w- would it be possible, would it be possible for me to have a relationship with the God of the Bible? And specifically, would it be possible for me to have a relationship with Jesus? Growing up in a part of the world where I had no access to the Bible and I had no access to a quote-unquote Christian local church. And my belief is that, yeah, I believe that God is big enough to reach me and, and reach out and draw me into a relationship with him through Jesus without those things. Yeah, no, and I think that's part of like when we're going into like creation and, and like the, 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 like they're talking about how like the, the rocks will cry out to him and, and he's, he's created these, all of these things to bring glory back to him. I even think back to like some of those Catholic churches that you go see in Europe, the whole idea of that, that elaborate building is to tell the story of Christ, to tell the story of his love and, and see that reflected in, in all the different things that, that, that God has created. So, uh, it, would it be more difficult? Potentially, it would. Not more difficult for God. Not for God, no. But for you, you would have to really be like, at some point in your life, just sit back and say, okay, do I believe that I am just an evolved microorganism that has, has all of a sudden come to being, or is there some sort of greater design at play here? Um, I, I was thinking about. Have you heard the the tale of the the watchmaker? Have you heard that analogy? I, 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 yeah. Is it possible for a watch, you know, with the gears and all that stuff, and to drop all the pieces and have it come together as this perfect timepiece? Yeah, and yeah. even even to like mentally uh, fathom, like maybe some of the pieces are actually in the right spots, and like how much time and how and just that whole uh, side of it, you you have to it really messes with your brain because you're just like trying to think of every positive and I don't know I can't fathom it I don't know that many people can but at some point then you're you're in this situation you're you're in this remote area and you don't have any kind of established belief system I think everybody comes to a certain point when they start to look a little bit beyond just the day-to-day of everything that they're doing and they start to to, to ask those bigger questions that we're talking about today and I think you're right in that sense that it, it would start to spark curiosity. It would start to spark uh, a desire to learn more and to reach out. And I, I actually encourage people to learn about all the different things around them. In, in some cases, just to understand where people are coming from. Like when, when you look at like Catholicism versus Mennonites and Nazarenes and all these other people, like I don't, I don't look at them as being like that religion versus my religion or anything else. It's like, I just want to understand where they're coming from and, and, and why they believe that way. So that as I'm talking to them, it, it actually helps me better understand God in my capacity because I'm looking at, all right, these people are coming from this angle and they're trying to understand God. And, and you're talking about how God draws into that relationship. I think uh, my, my aunt or second aunt was talking about, I think it's the, Oh, 
Presbyterians are basically saying that that God chooses you uh, to when uh, he, He's always chosen you, but it comes down to not necessarily like you choosing to serve Him. He's already chosen you. It's just whenever that time happens. And I was like, yeah. man, we're really narrowing down on a well, very specific see, that's moment. The thing. You, you you can say the, pre- the, the, the the weird thing is is that you got I don't know who who all believes what at this point, and and quite frankly, I don't care. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> The thing is, is, is I, there are going to be some Calvinists who believe that you're predestined and that God has chosen some, and some people have not been chosen. Personally, I can't imagine that, um, I, that, that God has allowed some people to be created and he intentionally cho- did not choose them to be saved. And so they were predestined for this. And I'm like, I, I, you know what? I don't know if they're right or wrong. I, I have no idea. And the thing is, is I can't actually agree to apply a label. I, I have not actually met a Wesleyan in my entire life because <laughs> I never met John Wesley. All right. There's only one Wesleyan in this world, and it was John Wesley, because I guarantee you there were things that John Wesley believed that that 99. I, there's not there's not another person on this earth that actually believed every single thing John Wesley believed. And John mm-hmm. Calvin, there's. There was only one Calvinist. It was John Calvin. You know, not I guarantee you, John Calvin never met a person who agreed with every single thing he believed. And so we're we're all wrong about a ton of stuff, and we're all right about some stuff. And the one thing we can agree on is that there ain't no way this watch built itself, and God's up there. And a lot of us, you and I, seem to believe that that we both agree that that God is the God of the Bible uh, and and we believe in Jesus is God that that he came to earth and and you know I, and I I fully believe that that's that is who I am that is what I believe and and I don't necessarily adopt every single thing that everybody else in all their interpretations I'm not saying they're wrong I'm just not saying I automatically believe everything that they've been telling me and so the the one thing I do know is that I there is a creator and I believe in Jesus. I have a relationship with that God. And and Evan, I'm gonna say something that's going to be pure heresy to some people. <laughs> if I get to heaven and Jesus says, you know what? Some of that stuff got a little misinterpreted through the line of communication. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. I'm okay if I'm wrong, but <laughs> I, you know, it, you know, I believe I'm right, and and that's what I believe. And the thing is, is, is I'm continuing to be drawn into that relationship. I'm continuing to be transformed by my desire to serve God, to be a witness in this world of of what I feel God is calling me to, my purpose in life, and that's really what this conversation is about. We really went down this rabbit trail because you asked me this question. Don't you, you wanted to challenge me on, don't you feel some guilt? No, I don't feel any guilt. I, I feel no guilt. Um, I, I, I live a guilt-free life because Jesus said, don't worry about anything. Be anxious about nothing. And so I'm going to do what he said. Um, and, you know, I, there, God's mercies, his grace is new every day. Um, I'm not intentionally going to go out and hurt people because I can't. 
I, mm-hmm. you, I, I just don't know of a time when you're in relationship w- or with somebody where you intentionally hurt them. Uh, and, and you intent, it, it's, it's, it's not, I, I just don't see it. I, I don't experience that. Um, I make mistakes. Um, I, I feel conviction to, to say, okay, I need to do something about this. But I, guilt is a pretty strong term for me. And it's one that, quite frankly, was used to motivate me into action most of my life. And, and I refuse to be motivated to do anything out of guilt any, <laughs> anymore because I don't think you could ever do anything that is an act of love with the motivation of guilt. Well, I'm, I'm loving this because it's really challenging me and I hopefully our listeners to really think a little bit deeper about even just some of the ways that we're approaching things and whatever else. I, I think that uh, I, from hearing you speak and everything that you're talking about, that uh, that conviction is definitely a, a much better word as opposed to guilt because of of how guilt was presented to you in everything that that we're talking about uh, in your upbringing. One of the things that I was thinking about when you were talking was um, kind of this role of God in our lives, and it sounds like when you're talking about the guilt role, that's the boss. That's like that's this this uh, relationship that we have with with somebody who's in charge, and they have all these rules and they have all these things that they're that they they put in place, but there's no relationship, so it's it's like either do this or be fired. And then you have a leader on the other side. And I think that that's more of the relationship that you have with, with God, because you have that relationship with him. You know that he's for you and not against you. And, and he has this love for you and you're wanting to do these things for him, not because he always just tells you to do them or that you're going to get in trouble because of it, but you're doing it instead because you want to do it. And I think that that is that true relationship that hopefully we all can strive for, not just in our spiritual life, but also in our business. You know, like how I brought it all back around. I was wondering how I was going <laughs> to. exactly it. it. You're doing it because you want to do it, yeah. not because you should. And when you have that relationship, then that there's less conviction and less guilt because you're always striving for that true, authentic relationship with that leader. And you know that it's reciprocated on the other side. He's already laid the template. He's already done all the work and, and basically given us the, the greatest expression of what can be done to show somebody that he wants that relationship for us. It's our job now to lean into that relationship and strive for that. And I think it's awesome that you're really at that point and have kind of come to that realization that, that you're in that relationship, that you're exploring and enjoying the, the the benefits of that relationship, but you're always being drawn closer and closer to it because of the foundation that he's laid for us in the very beginning. Absolutely. Well, Cliff, we talked about a lot of stuff here, um, and I'm, I'm, I really am honored, again, that you've taken the time to speak to me and, and to my audience. Uh, this is a little bit... Uh, off of the typical conversations that we have for uh, young businessmen of Tulsa, but not necessarily because we're talking about success in your life and we're talking about the clues that success leaves behind. And part of that is, is not just being successful financially or being successful by a title that you have, but it's success at home and it's success in your spiritual life and all these other things. And so uh, from probably one of the more unassuming sources of, of getting into a very spiritual conversation, I'm so glad that we had this because the things that you're doing and the conversations that you're having are creating that that influence in other people's lives, and it, it allows them to have more authentic conversations uh, with you. Like you said, that letter in the very beginning, where somebody had probably shared more with you than they ever have, just over a simple um, connection that you had 
through through a TV show, and now you're in a in a situation where you're comfortable having these conversations and 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 not necessarily being ashamed to have these conversations because they lead you to those deeper questions, to that deeper conversation with somebody, which allows you in some capacity. And and I think I'm hopefully uh, hoping that the audience is picking this up. They're seeing your relationship with God and your relationship with your with your Creator and saying, "Man, that's something that I want to aspire to. I want to get to that point where I have." that kind of relationship so that they lean into their own relationship with God. So all that to say, thank you for being on the podcast and taking time to speak to my audience. I always give my uh, guests the final word, an opportunity to speak directly to the audience. And I want to give you the same. Uh, What would you say your message is to young business leaders? So my message is this. Uh, One of the things that I've done in my life and over these past, well, over the past year, more than anything, is this. I am determined to work harder on myself and growing as a human being, as a person, than I am in the business or the work that I do. I am committed to spending more time investing in who I am, the things that I believe, the things that I know. I'm committed to growing and learning every single day. Uh, One thing, Evan, I do, I spend a minimum of 10 to 15 hours a week at the gym, minimum 10 to 15 hours a week, starting off, you know, basically two hours every day on a work day. And I go to the gym and I listen to things that challenge my beliefs. I listen to new things, learning stuff so that I can actually come out of that and say, okay, what do I believe about this? What do I feel about this? What do I think about this? And how does how does what I just heard resonate or reflect as being true based upon my past experiences and the things that I'm experiencing now? Now, can I go and I apply this this thing and test it with this these obstacles or these challenges or this experience that I have coming up? Can I can I uh, can I go and ch- check to see if what I'm learning here is true? And once I adopt something as a new belief some it's like oh my gosh this is true this is absolutely a, a this is it is different than what i've ever been taught in the past and what i just learned is absolutely true and i can't find an example in my life in the past i've tested it in my current situation this absolutely is a new belief that i have and then what i do is i take time to condition myself with that new belief. And one of the things that I do, so for example, um, I I told you I may not uh, open and crack the Bible every single day, right? Mm -hmm. But I have this app, it's called Think Up, all right? And it's available on iOS only, unfortunately. But it's an affirmation file. And what I do is I type in my affirmations, the things that I believe. And right now it's about 47 minutes. And then one of the things that it allows me to do is I can go in and I can take my written affirmations and I can hit the record button on my phone and it plays it back in my own voice, my own voice with a, a, a soundtrack in the background. And it plays all of these either in the order that they were added or you can rearrange them or it'll play them uh, randomly. But every day for one hour at the gym before I start off, I actually listen to my own voice telling me what I believe every single day. And by the way, some of them are scriptures. So <laughs> I am actually conditioning myself every single day because because the world, ha- I, I'd gone through life, you know, 
I'm 45 years old. So I've got 45 years of television commercials. I got 45 years of sermons on Sundays. I've got 45 years of all of these things that people have been telling me and reinforcing my beliefs. And so every single day I'm saying, well, this currently is my daily belief system. This is who I am. This is what I believe about myself. This is what I believe about why I'm here. This is what I believe about how God feels about me. This is what I believe about, about my calling. This is what I believe about what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. This is, for example, one of the things that I don't do, Evan, I do not, it is not my goal to manage my time. Instead, my goal is to actually live a fulfilled life every single day. That's, that's, some, that's one of my affirmations. Um, I am always at the right place at the right time doing the right thing. I never worry about whether or not uh, should, I should be at home doing this. Forget that. I am right now be where I am because God put me here. L where What can I do here that will th – this is who I am. I, so every day I am committed to working harder on building myself and who I am and, and understanding my true identity of what I was put on this earth to do, what God, what Jesus, what he desires for me to do and to be in this world, I – condition myself every day with those beliefs and that would be my encouragement to those those leaders out there work harder on yourself changing your beliefs about who you are and what you believe god put you on this earth to do and condition yourself with those new beliefs because the world will tell you to give up your day job or to, to don't quit your day job and i'm going to tell you don't quit your daydreams <laughs> well, Cliff, thank you so much for sharing that message with our audience. Guys, I encourage you, go back. There's a lot in here. Go back and listen to this uh, multiple times and uh, check out Cliff. Uh, Cliff Ravenscraft Show is on I'm sure every podcast app out there. I'm sure they can get a hold of you. Absolutely. Cliff Ravenscraft Show is the podcast, and you can find me online at cliffravenscraft.com. Thank you so much, Evan. It has been an honor to be here. And I'm thrilled that we had this conversation. This is a whole whole lot better than what I was anticipating when <laughs> when we were doing the pre-show. It's like, really? We're going to talk about authentic conversations? Uh, let's just have an authentic conversation. This is awesome. This was a fun conversation. This is a prime example of exactly what, what you're talking about is get out there and have those authentic conversations with people because I, you get, I, I feel like I know you that much better because of it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's awesome because, you know, as you're able to do these things, uh, hopefully it encourages more people to have authentic conversations of their own. So Cliff, again, thank you. Listeners, remember, choose to connect, seek development and be inspired. We'll catch you on the next podcast. Young businessmen, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, check out our website at www.ybtok.com or email us at ybtoklahoma at gmail.com. If you live in the Tulsa area and would like to hear one of our great speakers live at our monthly luncheon, we meet on the second Monday of every month from 12 to 1 p.m. Like us on Facebook for details about locations and upcoming speakers. Lastly, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast, where we connect, develop, and inspire young businessmen to find and pursue their purpose.